You're listening to Leadership in Crisis. Record and then I will start the live. The COVID-19 pandemic set off nearly unprecedented churn in the US labor market leading to great resignation. And many companies are struggling to keep their employees. As many of us might be knowing things, you know, the reasons for the same are one of the main reasons, which is resonating in the leadership circle is purpose-driven life. Employees expect their jobs to bring a significant sense of purpose to their lives. Employers need to help meet this need or be prepared to lose talent to companies that well. This is your host, Swami Sri Parambadur, and you're listening to Leadership in Crisis. And we have invited a very special guest, Christy Maxfield, who is the, uh, 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 what should I say, a, a first of its kind opening purpose First Advisor. So Christy is a founder of Purpose First Advisor and specialist in business model validation, financial modeling, business operations, marketing and sales alignment, competitive differentiation and business planning. She has coached and consulted with more than 100 early stage bioscience, information technology and consumer manufactured products entrepreneurs. In 2017, she founded Purpose First Advisors to work with growth focused business owners to build sustainably profitable businesses. Christy has designated and taught entrepreneurship courses at the University of Missouri, St. Louis and Washington University in St. Louis. She also co-created and co-hosted the Entrepreneurially Thinking podcast, which elevates and celebrates entrepreneurs, particularly women and entrepreneurs of color. She has a bachelor's in political science degree from Montclair State University and master's of business administration from Webster University. She is a certified human team activator, helping leaders understand and activate the six facets of human need to create top-performing, self-actualized teams. Christy, welcome to the Leadership in Crisis. Thank you so much for having me. So Christy, before even go further, I really want to know what made you to start this Purpose First Advisor? The name itself sounds so compelling, so fulfilling. So can you please give your journey, what made you to really start this? Sure. I um, very specifically started Purpose First Advisors because I believe deeply that entrepreneurship is an important way. It's not the only way, but it's a really important way to close wealth and wage gaps. That simply um, working for someone else is, it, it makes it very hard to accomplish those goals. But owning your own business, having that ownership role, being able to, to build wealth and control assets really changes the game. And so I, I wanted to spend my time and really devote my purpose to helping small business owners in particular uh, tap into that for themselves. And entrepreneurship is a really hard endeavor and doing it alone is not recommended. So being a coaching consultant to those growth oriented business owners who have tested their idea, know that they have a good product or service that people will buy what they're selling. And now how do we make it 
bigger and better, not for the sake of being big and better, uh, but really for the sake of helping them create a life they love and to create that generational wealth. No, that's, that's interesting. But what... Uh instigated you to start this? I mean, you have gone through any- Oh, you want the back back story. Okay. <laughs> so um, uh, as you said, I um, have a degree in political science. And what that meant for me was going into uh, the nonprofit field as a professional fundraiser. So I spent the first part of my career working for a variety of different nonprofit organizations mm -hmm. and really being part of the the team that translated mission and purpose mm -hmm. into um, to donors uh, to support those causes. And it was in 2010, um, after really getting involved in what was the new talk around social enterprise and social entrepreneurship, how do you use business models, earned revenue models to create uh, social change? That's really where I cut my teeth. Um, I that you know I got really involved in that and quit a good paying fundraising job to do a startup, which was an administrative services company for nonprofits using a hybrid LLC model. So that's really where we were experimenting with the social entrepreneurship piece. Um, and that was really exciting. And I learned how to do things I never thought I would do, like build three and five year pro formas, um, because as a political science major, you didn't do that. <laughs> Um, but I was very familiar with P&Ls and balance sheets from my days as a fundraiser. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I sat in the seat of being an entrepreneur, which um, was surprising to me because I was raised in a family. My dad owned a family florist that my grandfather started as a side gig. Um, my dad, that was his main gig. Mm -hmm. um, but I thought there were easier ways to make money than working for yourself. So when I became an entrepreneur, it was as much a surprise to me as anybody else. Um, and, and then I went and did work um, through what is the Center for Emerging Technologies here in St. Louis, directly with all those IT, bioscience, and consumer manufactured product entrepreneurs. And moving on to do Purpose First Advisors for myself was to say, I believe I can create value for more than just the clients of the center. I believe that I can be part of a community wealth building movement. Mm -hmm. um, I can believe that I can support individual business owners in getting in touch with their purpose so they know why they're building what they're building and how it's going to contribute not just to the financial wealth they want to have, but to the lifestyle they want to have, the life they want to live. And that's very rarely in my experience, lots of houses and boats and cars. It's very much in my experience about wanting more time and opportunity to be involved in their families and their communities and the flexibility to make choices in their life. And so Purpose First, I think, is deeply rooted in me because that's sort of where I grew up in the nonprofit sector. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and to, but more importantly, I know we can't accomplish business goals if we mm -hmm. don't, if we're not fully aligned in a shared purpose, if we're not, everybody in the organization isn't rowing in the same direction. So that's, that's my story. No, that, that's very interesting and uh, thought provoking. I think uh, you have taken um, 
a lot of deep roots of your own experience of a nonprofit and how you have done. And also it was interesting, you quoted uh, your grandfather's side gig has become a main gig for your father. And it, it all happens all the time because sometimes you really want to test the waters you want to do. And suddenly you have so much emotions connected with that purpose, whatever maybe, you know, it is again, different to different people, whatever it is. But then once you connect it, it becomes a mainstream. And you have started this in 2017, but now fast forward uh, today with all the COVID-19 and the unprecedented times, and there is so much great resignation going on. And this seems to be more obvious now or elevated uh, today that you know employers want to keep employees and give them the purpose-driven life. And what is your comment? I mean, do you really see that? I mean, you have been uh, a forward thinker already identified this in 2017, but now people are forcing to do it. What, what is your uh, thoughts about it? You know, I, I reflected recently um, that I wrote a blog right as the COVID-19 uh, epidemic was, was rolling out and my advice then was to lean into your purpose as a way of communicating with people because we didn't all didn't know what to do as business owners and and we didn't know what to do as human beings and as spouses and as loved ones and and um and nobody sort of had a roadmap for how do you talk to customers and vendors and the people you do business with how do you talk to employees um uh, when the world is falling apart um and so, you know, being authentic and, and the only way you can be authentic is to really know why you're doing what you're doing, to me really became uh, an anchor, a way to help sort through that, oh my goodness, what should we do question. Um, and then that has evolved since then. So that was sort of like a, a direct response, um, first responder kind of instinct of like, put the oxygen mask on, breathe your purpose, share your purpose with somebody else and we can all we'll all make it through through it and now it's people have had time to reflect on what's really meaningful to them and to look at their employment situation and say does it being in this relationship with this company with these leaders with these teammates is this feeding me in a way that i think it can and should and do i have other opportunities it's very much a privilege to be able to say I want to pursue something else. Um, and so when, when we do have that privilege, then it's important for us to be able to reflect on what it is we want individually. And then who do we th think we can work with to align with those desires? Um, it, it's very complicated. <laughs> No, I agree with you. It's it's not that easy because see, there is no playbooks written for it, and uh, right from any of the even big enterprises leaders around the globe, everybody has struggled. And only one theme, what I have seen personally, is being authentic of yourself. Tell to your own employees, I am learning through you. I know what I know. I don't know what I don't know. So together, how can we do so? Whoever is so authentic and transparent, they are able to embrace that. Otherwise, if people are trying to be cocky or trying to tell some stories of their own just to be a pride of their position, I think they are gone. So people are able to see with that magnifying glass and who is really a true leader. <laughs> Absolutely. So. Um, what we also have seen in the great resignation is sometimes the, the, the great regret um, and the, oh, the grass wasn't greener on the other side. 
And that's why I think if you can reflect on your own purpose, what drives you, your why, mm -hmm. and then look at your current situation through that lens, it may not be that you're not aligned with the purpose of the organization, but it may be that the way you're working together isn't serving that purpose or isn't allowing you to be as fully engaged and impactful as you would like to be. So, and to also look at that when you're looking over the, the garden fence yeah. and, you're, and you're trying to make that next choice, um, how do you use that interview opportunity to, to really probe on those things that go beyond compensation and remote work opportunity and, um, and big project assignments? That's true. That's true, Anna. I, I'm happy to hear uh, very few people use the garden fence, but uh, my friend Patty always uses the garden fence in a, you know, more appropriate way. <laughs> <laughs> but but what I've seen, Christine, uh, you are all purpose-first advisors. I think uh, you are always bringing that human element, and you're talking about the human team. I know. I think without humans, there's no company, but you are very much referring as the, the human teams. I would love to really know why did you coin that and what made you, so give me a little background about it. Well, I did not coin it. The author of the book's name is Jeanette Wade okay. and she coined the term um, and identified what she calls the six facets of human need. And as mm -hmm. one of her certified activators, what I'm helping her build at this point is the way to take the book and translate it into what it means in your business oh, okay. um, and how, how you can help the humans in your business be the best they can be. Because her tagline is, you thought you created a team and then humans showed up. Um, and that's because we think of a team almost like we think of a piece of equipment or software that will put all the pieces together and will program in what it's supposed to do and then it will produce an outcome. Um, unfortunately, humans aren't built like that and they're a lot messier than that. And it's the messy part. I've had so many people, um, owners in particular, who are like, oh, the feelings. I can't take the feelings anymore, right? Um, <laughs> And, but the feelings are always gonna be there because you're gonna have humans and we can't scale without humans. The minute you wanna go beyond your own personal capacity to do something, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you gotta add a human. You add a human, things get complicated. Um, add more humans, they get more complicated. So uh, Jeanette's theory is that we have um, sort of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, The the, the, the um, nature that we're born with, the things we need to have fulfilled there. And then what we do in business is we often try to throw nurture on top of it, coaching and training and professional development. And we nurture people up and we get some temporary lift, mm -hmm. but usually the lament of leadership is it didn't stick. And she posits that that's because we forgot to take care of the middle end, the needs. So between nature and nurture are needs. And that those in particular, and I'll rattle them off quickly, um, are clarity, connection, contribution, challenge, consideration, and confidence. I always have to look at the list to make sure I do it in the right order. One of these days I won't have to do that. But um, that these six C's are what we're craving that we need to have them met. So then we can turn our attention to doing that work of the team and getting those those outstanding results that we're all looking for. Um, and I'm drawn to it because like I said to you, when, a, when an employer comes, when a 
when a business owner comes to me and says, I want to grow the business, or I'm struggling to grow the business, or we grew really fast and now we're struggling with all the growth, they, what they're often talking about is getting everything to work in a way that is effective. Mm-hmm. And we often look at financial projections and policies and procedures and org charts and, and marketing and sales plans, but all those require people. Yeah. And so I have to get them grounded in their purpose to know what is it we're building. Are we building a mom and pop shop like my dad had? Or are we building a franchise? Are we building something that somebody's going to acquire? Are you going to build something you're going to pass on to your kids? So what are we building? And then what do you want the people in your business to be aligned to? Mm-hmm. Because the first thing they need is that clarity, that clarity of purpose, that clarity of role, and that clarity of process. And then from there, we can build the other six seats. That's, that's very interesting. And it sounds very simple, but if people are not following and they are able to see that realization later after burning some time or money or both. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. And it's not a once and done. Because yeah. humans being humans, we need to repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. And situations <laughs> change. I mean, this is leadership in crisis means leadership and ambiguity, leadership in dynamic scenarios where day-to-day you may not have the same situation and you need to be able to adapt to that. So um, the the rinse and repeat shouldn't surprise any of us. So my one question, I think as you have started in 2017 and you have already advising, a couple of questions maybe. One is how do you pivot the business with this purposeful mindset and can you elaborate any particular scenario if you want to name a company or a person it's okay up to you but uh, is it where uh, you have firsthand experience how this company is there but when they change it their mindset with a purpose mindset how it really pivoted from the business point of view any um, specific examples if you have or can. Sure. Um, I'm not going to name names, but um, one of my clients is in the restaurant industry and, and related uh, business lines. And it's a family business. It's now in its second generation. And, um, and the restaurant industry took a real hit during COVID. Mm-hmm. And so they had to let a lot of people go and then struggle to retain the people they could retain and now they're really struggling to bring on the, uh, the new hires they need in order to be able to regrow the business. Um, and I would say the pivot they made in this process or in the process of making is, one, they actually took the time to build their shared values. So they weren't just top down from the founder mm-hmm. who's no longer with us, but yeah. they really co-created a shared vision for the future and agreed on what their values were. So they could reference back to them as they were making business decisions. Like, when do we cut shift? Um, When do we add back a day to the the schedule? Um, What do we have on our menu? Well, how do these things align to our values? And Mm -hmm. they're not actually, it's not that far-fetched to think about menu items and values in the same breath, right? Um, And the other thing I would say they, they pivoted towards was, really being much more transparent with their employees, their leadership team. Um, A, they had never thought of them as a leadership team before. They thought of them as restaurant managers and shift managers. But these are the people who have the most direct contact with customers and the most direct influence on revenue generation 
and sales, uh, I'm sorry, and uh, expense managing expensive cost containment. And so we read them into the, the P&L. We explained the balance sheet. We looked at what lines were profitable and what lines haven't been profitable. Um, we brainstormed what we could do to control both revenue and expenses. And we replenished their well in terms of being able to go in every day and do this work under circumstances that have not only been hard, but have been long. Everybody was looking for that light at the end of the tunnel and it dragged on another year and it dragged on another year. And so to be able to keep that stamina and focus meant that they had to come together as a team in a whole new way um, where being independent high performers was no longer sufficient. They really had to understand the business, how the business makes money, why the business exists, and their role in helping it be successful. And I think that's really what's going to keep them going moving forward. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think uh, uh, it, it was uh, sounds uh, very different to think about values and the menu, but I think that that really matters a lot because you need to think about uh, who you who is your customer and what they really need and what is the value. So in this whole process, how long did it take for them to understand and adjust and pivot the business? And how, how um, that? we've been working together almost a year, um, and I would say that we've laid a solid foundation. That okay. there's still um, a lot to do, uh, mm -hmm. partly because they're so lean right now. There's yeah. not there's not a lot of fat, and which means there's not a lot of people to take on. Um, the, what is really an intensive process of working with the people in the business, right? You know, so there's doing the business of the business, there's working on your business, which we always tell people they need to, to make time for. And then there's actually the people management of the business, which oh. isn't always the same as making sure a meal gets plated and out the door, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think you can only move as fast as your individual circumstances allow, but you'll only also only move as fast as you prioritize. So if this owner had put team values really low on the list and didn't trust me that this was going to be helpful and didn't uh. and didn't trust that looking at a PL was going to be helpful. Mm -hmm. then we probably wouldn't be as far as we are. We would probably just keep trying to use carrots and sticks yeah. <laughs> to get people to do things instead of being able to connect with them and give them ownership and tap into their why. I mean, these folks worked incredibly hard to make sure this business stayed afloat during COVID. You don't do that without having some connection to why you're getting up every morning, the purpose, the why behind you're doing it. So we really had to tap into that and then give them the business tools they needed and treat them like the leaders they are. So I don't know if every day they feel the success, but I know that we are thinking about how can we be attentive to those needs True. so that the likelihood is that most days they feel better about that than not. That's true. That's true. I mean, see, previously, if I just want to quote uh, our uh, great Simon Sinek, uh, the part of the why, right? You know, yes, Simon is the leader of the why. <laughs> he has given us so much grueling on the why from the company perspective, but that is not only from the company, but now it has become every individual why. Why am I exist? What am? What is my purpose of life? How do I really go about it? If each individual is coming and if it is matching with their 
employer's purpose and then there is a, a line between them, then you are able to be fulfilled, satisfied and learning. So on this journey of your purpose for advisor, so what are the couple of um, you know, ingredients to be successful for these entrepreneurs? You know, what is that they need to really adopt to be successful, especially in this uh, pandemic times? At the risk of repeating myself, I will say that they really need to know what they're trying to build and why they're trying to build it. So uh, what I often have come to, because of my coach and her influence on me, um, really frame it as what's the desired end result. And if, if your only desired end result is to make as much money as possible, I'm probably not the right coach or consultant for you. And you're going to have to look for people who are really just driven by the dollar in order mm. to, to build that. So um, very rarely do I encounter somebody who's just like, I want to make as much money as possible. That's it. That's my desired end result. I often meet people who want their life to look and feel a certain way, right? Mm. They, they, and, and when they can tap into what it feels like, okay, tomorrow you get to go live that life you love. What does it feel like? What does it look like? Who are you working with? What are you working on? Where are you working? How are you doing the work? And you can get excited about that and you can feel that in your body. Then we know we're on the right track. Okay, that's the life we love. How's the business going to help us get there? Mm. Ah, the business is going to help us get there because it, it's, I'm passionate about X and the customers really need it. And they've proven to me that they'll pay for it. And, um, and now we need to build the infrastructure to support that because once we hit these revenue and profitability goals, I'll be able to put those people in that room together, working on those products, uh, delivering those services for the kinds of clients that I have described as part of the life I love, right? Um, when I, when, if I know what I'm building then, and then I can enlist them in that purpose that yeah, we're, we're helping people, you know, whatever our tool or or product or service might be, this is what we're helping them achieve. Because nine times out of 10, whatever the product or service does isn't what the customer's paying for. The yeah. customer's paying for value. That's and right. value is often something like prestige, meaning, um, connection, mm -hmm. satisfaction, uh, entertainment, excitement, um, right? You know, the, it's the it's the experience. I often tell the story of getting my husband an Omega watch for our 10th wedding anniversary. And it was all about the fact that the astronauts had worn that watch in space. Yeah. That's my husband loves, loves the space program, loves being connected to that history. And that watch had to tell time. That's its function, right? <laughs> it has to tell time because I paid a lot of money for it. Um, <laughs> But, but I did not buy it for him because he needed something to tell time with. Did I? I, I was an expression of my love and my expression of, I know you so well. I know what this means to you, right? Perfect. So, you know, when we enlist people in that, um, that's, that's way beyond. So my tips, oh, I'm sorry, I went off on my story, but my tips are first, why, what are you trying to build and why? And then tell me, how do you think you're going to do it? Then, it, then we can turn to what's the business model? What are you going to sell to whom? How is it going to make their life better, happier? All the things we just described. And what are they going to pay you for it to make it worth your while to do it? 
because that's the essence of business model validation. I can have lots of great ideas. I can identify problems all day long, but unless I'm creating something that actually fulfills the needs of my customer, it doesn't matter. I'll end up with a basement full of widgets um, or just a lot of time and money spent trying to get people to do what I want them to do versus get them to do what they want to do. That's um, what it goes. And so it, you know, vision and then business model, how are we going to make this work? And um, if you come to me and tell me you want to start a nonprofit, I'm going to tell you the same thing I would tell the for-profit entrepreneur, which is show me your financials. <laughs> show sure. me your financials. Tell me how this thing makes it possible for you to live and take care of your family and take care of your community. And how it takes care of the people you want to take care of in the way you want to take care of them. And if you can't answer that question, we probably don't have a business to build together. But if you can answer that question in financial terms, we can rock and roll. So, you know, a great purpose takes you a long way in financials. Let us know whether or not it's going to take you all the way. See, very true. You may have a lot of the dreams. You may have a lot of the purpose. You may really want to serve the community. You may have a lot of things, but your basic essential is to take care of the family and that everything requires the financials. So the financial has to be met. So it is a purpose-driven organization does not mean you volunteer everything and don't bring any money back into home. Then that's that's stupid. <laughs> well, being a martyr doesn't serve anybody, right? And suffering, creating your own suffering and hardship doesn't serve your community. It doesn't make the world a better place. Um, and, and I agree, there are a lot of things my community could benefit from. But if there aren't donors who are willing to contribute or buyers buyers who are willing to purchase, then I can't necessarily make that happen. Um, And that is sometimes the unfortunate part of the scenario is that I've met a lot of people with a lot of great ideas, but the circumstances are not such where they can do it without making their lives a sacrifice. And if that's their choice, that's their choice. But again, my purpose is around how do we close wealth and wage gaps Mm -hmm. and and because I believe that strengthens communities and because I believe that that's part of creating racial and gender equity. And I believe that those things are really important to building a community I want to live in. And so I'm not going to support someone sacrificing themselves on the altar of service because I don't think that that's what actually moves the community forward in a sustainable, long-term, generational kind of way. Other people may disagree, but... No, I um, think uh, you, you said very well because we always believe as leaders to build the ecosystem, even if you want to you know, make the community grow, the economy of scale has to be there with a purpose. You cannot say that I'm just volunteering, but then economy does not help them. The community does not grow. The health and well-being does not grow. Everything is tied. So it is an ecosystem you're building. Only thing is we need to put that purpose connected to all this ecosystem. Then it will be multiplied with fulfillment of each of those parties or people who are connected in the process 
and then the entire upliftment will happen. So again, uh, thank you, Christy, for wonderful information and sharing all the great insights. And I really wish you congratulate as well as good luck on your journey of Purpose First Advisors. And for all the listeners and viewers, if you want to know more about it, please go to www.purposefirstadvisors.com and reach out to Christy directly if you need any information. She's a great lady out of US and she can be with the uh, global world is flat. She can be reached out to any person on this planet as long as you have an email to connect with her. <laughs> so thank you, Christy, again. Any, anything you want to say, final? Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about these ideas and to, to raise people's thinking about purpose and business and what we build and how we build lives we love. Excellent. Thank you so much and have a wonderful weekend, Christy. Good seeing you here. Thank you so much. Thank you.